Republicans acted like jackasses, but that doesn't matter. Celebrate we knew the joy. Celebrate Judge Jackson. My dog is screaming in the yeah. background. So let's everyone party, right? We did yes. it. Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to a special reaction episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is thankful that these senators can't harass Kentucky Brown Jackson anymore. I mean, my God. I'm Rewire News Group Senior Editor of Law and Policy, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piccolo, Rewire News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to give yourself a self-high five for making it through those two days of hearings. The Boom Lawyer podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. Oh, my God. I'm just so exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Just Not just physically from covering these hearings. I mean, it's been... I'm happy to have done it. I'm happy yes. to feel like I was a part of this historic moment. But at the same time, just the drudgery, like today didn't really even need to happen. They were mm-hmm. just retreading old ground and not in a way that elucidates any further information, but just in a way that was intended, at least from Republicans, to just beat her over the head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we really see how broken the Senate is. But I am going to take a page from Senator Cory Booker's book. That sounds weird. <laughs> Booker's book. Yeah. <laughs> but from from Senator Booker. And I am going to go with joy yes. because, man, yes. I was dragging. And honestly, you, I can't even imagine. We need to give Amani a shout out for the epic coverage of these last two days over on Twitter. Like, truly, as someone who has live tweeted a couple Senate Judiciary Committee hearings in the past, that's no small feat. And to have this one in particular, like, I just, I, we, we need to recognize that. That was, I appreciate a that. hell of I a do. lot of work and amazing work also. I appreciate you know. that. And, but, but then, like, we're tired. <laughs> we're like 28 hours of testimony and they won't oh stop God. talking. And what does Senator Booker do? He, like, gives us all this joy hug. I was sobbing. I was too. It, like, he he made Judge Jackson cry. He did. And it came at such a time. It was, you know, a day and a half of awful, awful attacks from Republicans. And I'll admit, like, I was, you know, a little frustrated that it felt like sometimes the, the pushback, you know, by the Democratic senators wasn't maybe as forceful as personally I would like. But then here comes Cory Booker with this like righteous, joyful defense of Judge Jackson. And man, I loved it. So tired. But yeah. So Jess, what can we expect next? We've had, like you said, like 28 hours of hearing testimony. Plus that first day. Yes. What's 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 up? What's up? Yes. What's on tap next? <laughs> exactly. Well, the good news is we don't have to listen to any more senators talk. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so we start there. There's one more day of uh, witness testimony. That's tomorrow. It's from third-party groups in support or in opposition to the nomination. Most of the senators aren't even going to be in the room for that. So, you know, that's a lot of pro forma stuff. Uh, ju- uh, Senator, I almost called him Judge Durbin. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's been a long week already, folks. Uh, uh, Senator Durbin announced at the close of today's hearing that they've scheduled the committee vote for Monday, March 28th at 3 Eastern. Um, now there needs to be a quorum. That means Republicans have to physically show up for that vote. And Senator Ted Cruz, Texas. Oh, my God. He's such a baby. Uh, suggested that maybe they're, you know, looking at not giving them quorum. I don't know. Like, I don't want to talk about Ted Cruz that much. So we'll just say that right now the vote's scheduled for March 28th, 3 p.m. Eastern. She needs to clear committee, which she should do. Um, And then she goes to her nomination, goes to the full Senate for a vote and confirmation. That's what it is. But since the senators aren't going to talk anymore, we should get into what they did or didn't say, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, big takeaways from today. First is their just relentlessness when it comes to pandering to the lowest of the low, right? Pandering to the QAnon conspiracy theorists, Mm -hmm. essentially accusing her of loving child predators, accusing her of wanting to release child predators people who are involved in distributing child sex abuse materials. Um, And I do want to say one thing that I've learned recently, that instead of calling it child porn, you should call it child sex abuse materials because child porn focuses on the titillating nature of it and child sex abuse materials focuses on the victim. And so... Hey, see, we're learning here. Right? Learning as we go. So I'm going to be using the phrase child sex abuse materials from here on out. And I would encourage everyone to think about doing that. But just this idea that senator after senator after senator got up and asked her these ridiculous questions about Mm -hmm. these her sentencing practices on individual cases. Ted Cruz pulled out a whole list and Mm -hmm. wanted to go through them one by one. Josh Hawley was downright hostile towards her. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point with Josh Hawley, she actually, you know, pulled the Maxine Waters and reclaimed her time. Yeah. Because she had answered the same questions over and over and over. And finally, she said, you know, Senator, I've asked, I've answered this question many times from many senators, and I'm going to rest on what I said. And she said that a few times in response to his questions as he got more and more irate. Like, what don't you want us to know? I mean, it was a real, like, you can't handle the truth situation. (laughs) And I'm just like, buddy, you need to settle down. Yeah. Because you're just like, I get, I find, I get it. You're play acting for your base, but but you've done the job. You've done that job. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Yeah. And and I've, I saw several folks make this point on Twitter, and I think we really just it's it's good and needs to be driven home in that entire line of questioning that they not only refuse to abandon, but double and triple and quadruple down on each time they do. That's trivializing the actual crimes they're pretending to have outrage over. That's trivializing yeah. the actual harm to the real life victims in each of those cases by creating these folks as political props, you know, not just to further their own, I don't know, ambitions. Like they're not even in the Q cause. Yeah. It's so gross. And beyond that, you know, there are people who were watching that who may be survivors of child sexual abuse or who have young children who, you know, they they start feeling sort of 
just awful, really. I felt I felt awful and I don't have any kids. I can't yeah. imagine what it was like for people to have to hear that and for ha- for that to be part of this public record now. Yeah. I found it truly foul. I appreciated the way that Senator Durbin pushed back on this ginned up record scandal around parole board recommendations on these cases. And, you know, Amani and I are being very vague in how we're talking about this, but it's because we don't want to amplify the garbage that they were saying there. So, like, yeah. you can go look and see the details of it. We're not going to get into the actual details on the podcast because that's given airtime to Maybe lies and, 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 we're not going to do that. But, you know, Dick Durbin effectively shut down an effort to try and force open the records of these cases by senators, again, for no good reason, and invoked his experience as a prosecutor. And it turns out there's a lot of prosecutors on the Senate Judiciary Committee or former prosecutors. And, you know, when we go back to the other confirmation hearings that we've covered, Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh, and the fact that, you know, records in the Brett Kavanaugh case, mm-hmm. like, we're still waiting for those. Yeah. Right? It was also kind of great in that entire exchange for folks who were na- weren't able to listen to today's hearings. Senator Cruz threw an entire temper tantrum and was demanding that the Senate Judiciary Committee recognize him. And Dick and- Durbin just didn't. He said no. And he gaveled and moved on. And there was Ted Cruz, like, with a dumb face, like, just stuck. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Don't you know who I am? Like, when he was in the Montana airport. Like, they just moved on. And so, as a country, I hope we, too, can just move on from yes. Ted Cruz. Thank you. Thank you. What we can't move on from, our second big takeaway, is the way in which Republicans are coming for substantive due process rights. We've been talking about that for a, a while now. These are your sexual privacy rights contraception, abortion, interracial marriage now, apparently, same-sex marriage. I mean, it couldn't be any clearer that they are planning to, A, either just try to throw all those rights back to the states outright, or Mm -hmm. B, at a minimum, make some sort of special religious carve-out when it comes to these rights. Yeah, this came from a a, a bunch of different directions. I mean, so you know, not so yesterday we had Cornyn's whole rant about, you know, marriage equality and substantive due process. Then we hopped on and recorded the podcast. And while we were recording, Senator Kennedy was talking about fetal personhood. One of the questions that he asked Judge Jackson last night was, first of all, when do you believe life begins? And she was like, er, that's a weird question to ask me. And then second, when do you believe equal protection begins? And Amani, you and I talked about the equal protection argument as being the constitutional vehicle for creating fetal personhood. We talked about this in We'll Hear Arguments, that, that you know, uh, project that we did around Roe versus Wade. But then we've talked about it a lot here. And I just want folks to remember that Senator Kennedy is a Rhodes Scholar. Right. He's not a bumpkin. He's actually a pretty sharp legal thinker. And if he is out there floating equal protection as a constitutional theory to ban abortion nationwide, people need to listen to this. This isn't you and I just shrieking about anti-abortion politicians. This is them on the record in a Supreme Court confirmation hearing testing the waters to see how this theory would land with someone who will very likely be on the bench. And that was wow. That was just wow. It was wow. And disturbing. Yeah. See, one thing that let's let's just move on to our our third big takeaway, which is 
this emerging theme about blackness, her blackness particularly, and the ways in which she is going to wield that blackness, which sort of Mm. involves an inherent, innate affinity for criminality, let's say. Oh, yeah. And the ways in which that she wields that innate affinity for criminality to meet out less lesser sentences than she should mm-hmm. for primarily sex crimes. That's what they were accusing her mm-hmm. of. And you brought this up before we started recording, and I want to credit you with this idea that it seems as if they are trying to set her up as a danger to white families. And I think we've seen blackness over the year just blackness writ large over the year being used as a danger to white families, right? You don't want your your kids in these public schools being taught that slavery was bad or that your children have ancestors and they should feel ashamed of them or that white privilege is a thing and they need to think about that or are babies racist? I mean, all of this panic around race and the way we talk about it to kids and the way Mm -hmm. we're whitewashing and revising history so as not to make white kids feel bad about history it seems to me it's like blackness is coming for your family and now we are going to have blackness on the supreme court not the kind of blackness we like not the clarence thomas blackness but this scary black lady who for years now has been allowing child predators to roam the streets mm-hmm. yeah that's the, this feeling that i got and whether it was Ted Cruz talking about racist babies or talking about her time at Georgetown Day and the culturally responsive teaching practices that they have there. And I think it's important to differentiate between critical race theory, CRT, and culturally responsive teaching, CRT, which is what goes on at Georgetown Day. That's what talking about privilege is. Mm -hmm. It's not critical race theory, but they've managed to mold, to, to conflate the two. And so now anything that deals with race, anything that deals with anything that is not heterosexual, cisgender, and white and male is suddenly critical race theory. Yeah. And it's all wrapped up in this black woman that we're now going to put on the bench. I just, first of all, let's just applaud everything that Imani said, because yes, and I was thinking, you know, as a journalist who's covered one of these things, one of the things I was realizing last night is another thing that is historic about this moment is this is the first time ever that we have had back-to-back Supreme Court nominees who are mothers. Mm. And I just want to think and reflect a moment on the very radically different ways conservatives approached that. Can you imagine what would have happened had Democratic senators come after Judge Amy Coney Barrett with just a modicum of criticism at her record with her children in her room in the room? Yes. The way that they did for the last two days for Judge Jackson with her daughter there, yeah, it wouldn't have happened. During Amy Coney Barrett's hearing, the fact that she was a mother was one of her top credentials from conservatives. And even when they were being nice to Judge Jackson, did they really bring this up? No. 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 
So that's where my head was going with like, what is going on? Because so much of that soft on crime stuff for, you know, folks who haven't been in this space for a long time, that feels like very regressive 80s, 90s, mm. like the Democrats are in with, it's just, it's, it's the panic that preceded the, the crime bill. Exactly, exactly. Right? And so it was just wrapped up in all of that criminalizing blackness at the time. And now it's being trotted out as, you know, social progress is a threat to white families. And I really think that that is the nugget there, at least what was landing for me, because as a woman, as a mother, I can't think of anything more exciting for me right now than to have Judge Jackson be Justice Jackson for Owen and Olive. Like, they're thrilled about this right now. And the idea that that's not a moment that has been celebrated in this nomination space the way it was revered in Amy Coney Barrett's is just, I had a word on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I appreciate the word. And it's an astute observation, the ways in which they were trying to paint her as a threat to white families. It's a very astute observation. I mean, Josh Hawley basically made it said that it, it made it sound that if, you know, you put... Uh, Judge Jackson on the bench, then every pedophile in the country will walk free. You know, Tom Cotton made it sound like as soon as she's confirmed, we're releasing everyone from Gitmo. Like, and it doesn't even make any sense no. because she, it's not like that's in her power as a justice, right? right? That's just that's just bizarre. One thing I did want to mention, yeah, is that she did say when asked whether she would recuse herself from the Harvard uh-huh. affirmative action case that's coming up next, next term, there was a big stink about her recusing herself because she's on the board of overseers right now. She's going to leave before she joins the court. I'm going to say before she joins the court. I'm not even going to hedge it. Mm-hmm. And she said she was thinking about it. I think that was her response. I think she said, I think so. Mm-hmm. And I hope between now and the time that case comes up, she changes her mind, as is her as is her right to do, because there are no rules governing Supreme mm-hmm. Court recusals. And I don't and I don't think that this huge affirmative action case that could overturn this 2003 case that allows, you know, the consideration of race as a measure of diversity in admissions and higher education. I don't think that the black woman on the bench should exclude herself from those conversations. So I just hope that that changes because that makes me a little bit concerned. Yeah, well, and you know conservatives are going to make hay with that case. Anyway, uh, you know, Ted Cruz, during, I said I wasn't going to talk about Ted Cruz, and here I am. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's like going to turn into a swear jar in my house. And every time I t- talk about <laughs> Ted Cruz, I like throw a quarter in or something. But, you know, he had that totally bizarre exchange where he was like, well, what if I decide one day I'm Asian and I want to file a race-based discrimination case, you know, trying to like get at levels of constitutional scrutiny and this idea again that, you know, we know conservatives are coming for all of these fundamental sexual privacy rights. It was a couple of days, folks. It really was. It was a couple of days. But you know what? We got through it. Right. They're not going to steal our our joy. They're not going to steal our joy. Judge Jackson knits. That was adorable. Right? Yeah, that was really nice. She lit up when she was talking about fiber arts. I thought that that was really adorable. That was legitimately like, I am not a crafty person at all. I cook, but like, I don't like, I can't craft. I don't have those skills. And when she like had that huge smile and invited Senator Hirono like over to knit, I thought that was the that sweetest was a, thing. Yes, that was lovely. We that need those lovely. moments. So yeah, celebrate the joy, right? Yes. Republicans acted like jackasses, but that doesn't matter. Celebrate we knew the joy. They would. Celebrate Judge Jackson. 
My dog is screaming in the yeah. background. So let's everyone party, right? We did yes. it. Yes, this was a historic moment. Republicans have egg all over their face, but we knew they would. There was some real moments of leadership, especially in the younger cohort of Democratic senators on the Judiciary Committee. I am excited to see what they do in the future. John Ossoff might be the leader of that committee one day. That would be nice. Just saying, for a lot of reasons, money. <laughs> If you want to talk to Jess about John Ossoff, you can find her on Twitter at Hegemami, H-E-G-E-M-M. What? (laughs) (laughs) I can't spell. I'm so tired. H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. I'm somebody. Imani, I think, is my name. Angry Black Lady, I think, is my game. And I guess we're just going to see you on the freaking tubes, (laughs) y'all. We are going to see you on the tubes. But for real, everybody, big shout out to Imani. She crushed it for the last three days. That is no easy task. And to have, to be funny in the face of all of that and smart and like all of it, nobody's better in the game. And on that note, folks, we will see you on the tubes. See you on the tubes. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Mark Filetti produces the show. 